Thank you for tuning in to our North Point Community Church podcast. Wherever you are in your faith journey, we pray that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at ncc.team. We're just going to dive right in, and this afternoon we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about um, the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So can we just pray and just ask God to be with us? Lord, we thank you that you are so big and you are so wonderful. And we thank you that you see fit to reveal yourself to us through your word and through moments in your presence. And God, I just pray that you would illuminate your word right now, that you would speak to our hearts. Father, don't let anything throw anybody off. Let us hear the Spirit speak to us where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to read a lot of the Bible together here at the beginning, and then we're going to kind of move forward. What we have to understand is that a lot of what we know about the gifts of the Spirit come from the um, Pauline epistles. He's the one who kind of structured it for us. But the Holy Spirit um, did not show up in the New Testament, okay? The Holy Spirit is spoken of in the first three verses of Genesis. He is God. And he is part of the the personas of God, the way that God has revealed himself to us, right? Father God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the world, earth was without form and void and darkness, Right? And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. So the Holy Spirit has been a presence in our world since the very, very beginning. And so as we go through this, let's not see this as just a new thing. Let's understand that wherever God has been revealed throughout the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit has been right there. Okay? All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 4. All right, 12, 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, administration, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And then there's this very long passage that's very helpful, um, and you should totally read it at home because, as Philip said, we're allowed to read our Bible at home. And it talks about how we're the body, and, you know, if you're the foot, don't be mad that you're not the eye. We shouldn't be all feet and eyes and all of that. And then it says in verse 27, now you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, prophets, 
teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, guidance, different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And those are all rhetorical questions, right? He doesn't even answer it. He just makes it known by the context of the scriptures, obviously not, right? And he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now, remember that the Bible, we, we have chapters and verses, right, to help us be able to reference, but they can seriously inhibit our understanding and reading of the Bible if we don't read it completely, like it's going together. Okay, so sometimes one of the things I like to do is if I'm reading a chapter of the Bible, I will read a few verses before the beginning and a few verses after to make sure that I'm really understanding what's going on. And so many times we read 1 Corinthians 13, um, which is called the love chapter of the Bible. In fact, it's probably one of the most well-known chapters of the Bible outside of the church because everybody reads it at weddings. Okay. Right? Love is good, kind, but, you know, that's not even what it says. But you know what I'm talking about. And so when we read it as though it's just about love, we miss what Paul was saying. Paul was using love as an amplification and as an enhancement of the gifts of the Spirit. He was saying, look, there's all these gifts of the Spirit. And remember, he is describing what is happening in the church, okay? The, the church does not have the New Testament. They only have the Spirit of God. That's it. When we talk about being a New Testament church, we have to understand that, that the New Testament church did not have the Bible. They had the Hebrew scriptures, but Jesus had come to make a new way. So suddenly they are 100% reliant on the memories of the apostles about what Jesus said, and that's why they had to write those down, the teaching of the apostles, right? And some of those were canonized and put into the, the, the scriptures, and the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God starts to flow in all of these different churches, and Paul sees so many different churches, and he starts to describe not what he thinks should happen, but what is actually happening. And that's what he's doing here. He's saying, hey, look, the Holy Spirit has been moving, and this is what's been happening. Some people are doing this, some people are getting this, some people are getting that, and these are all the things that are going on, but I want to give you the big context, church, and the big context is love. And so he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, now remember, he just said that one of the gifts of the Spirit was speaking in tongues and interpretation, right? So he says, if I have that gift, that's basically what he's saying here, but I don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, now remember he just said that that was one of the gifts that God gives. And can fathom all mysteries. That's talking about the gift of wisdom and all knowledge. And I have a faith. He specifically said that faith is a gift of the spirit, right? That can move mountains, miracles, right? But do not have love. I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor 
and give over my body to hardship. And now he's talking about being an apostle, a prophet, a teacher, right? He's talking about being helps. He's talking about being a leader in the church because if you were a leader in the church in that time, that's what was happening to you. You were, you were giving what you had to the poor. You were giving your body to hardship. You were giving into all those things. So he's saying, if even if you're doing all of that, right? but you don't have love, then you gain nothing. Wow. wow. And then he explains the spirit in which we operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Love is patient. Mm. Love is kind. Yes. It does not envy. Ooh. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Think about how important this is in the context of the gifts of the Spirit. Because if God is revealing things to us and we are not operating in love, then there's going to be dysfunction. Love does not delight in evil, but always rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Why? Because we're going to go to heaven, and we're going to know God fully. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Why? Because you're not going to need to speak in tongues in heaven. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And this is, this is what I love is it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I am known in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Basically what he's saying to us is don't get on a high horse because what you are experiencing in terms of the Spirit of God, is the same capability as a child to an adult. Because the fullness of God waits for us where? In heaven. And then we'll know. And then we'll know. So we should operate in humility, understanding that our understanding is limited. And I think that's so incredibly important. And he says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Man, does that give us a context and a framework for what we're going to be talking about? Is that it's a bigger picture it's not something to be scary. It's not something to be feared. So let's just, let's just dive in, talk about Holy Spirit. We talked about how the Holy Spirit is revealed in Genesis. Um, the second thing is that if you were a believer, and even before you were a believer, this is interesting, the Holy Spirit is working in you. Because when you feel a craving and a desire to be more like God and to live a holy life, that is the moving and the functioning of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit draws us to God, yes. right? So even before we have made the decision to fully follow Christ with all of our hearts, which we, we continue to make that decision, right? We continue to submit more of ourselves to God, right? All of those things. Um, the Holy Spirit is working on us and working 
in us once we become believers. And so, and God is a revealer. That's the other thing that we have to understand about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit isn't a mysterious being that doesn't want to be found. Okay? The Bible says that seek and you will find. Ask, right? And it'll be given. Knock and the door will be opened. Right? That's what the Bible says. So if we want to know the Holy Spirit, if we want to experience the Holy Spirit, we just need to ask, seek, and knock. But he's not hiding from us. And so all the things that we know about God are true about the Holy Spirit. Right? God is love. Okay. Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. Loves us. Um, All of those things. So let's talk about the two foundation stones of the Holy Spirit. The first one is this, is unity. Unity. The gifts of the Spirit are intended to function in unity. Um, That's really, what's really interesting is we take um, the whole verse, the whole chapter in 12, and we go, oh, those are are the gifts of the Spirit. When actually what it sounds like is that he is trying to make a point about unity And he's using the gifts of the Spirit to make that point about unity. So he says, hey, look, there's diversity of gifts, but it's one Spirit. There's diversity of administration or service. There's the same Lord. There's diversity of operation, but it's the same God. And then he goes through all the different gifts of the Spirit, and he says, of the same Spirit. Of the same Spirit. Of the same Spirit. Over and over and over again, because unity is the baseline for the operation of the Holy Spirit. And and that's the case because the Holy Spirit is meant to operate in a way that it benefits the common good. So that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he gives us all of these gifts for the common good, for each other. So literally, it is for each other that the gifts are given. So if we operate in unity, then there will be function, and the gifts of the Spirit will uh, create good things within our community. But if we operate in disunity, there will be dysfunction. And it will not create good things in our community. It will destroy us as a community. Unity requires that the gifts operate in order. This is something that's really interesting, and I was reading a, several books about this, and they just kept making this point. I thought it was so great. And they just said that, um, that the gifts of the Spirit are not the possession of you as a person. So you don't, you know, we've heard of possession by demons. Don't freak out. Okay, don't freak out. You in the back. You're fine. Okay, look, that, that's not the way that the Holy Spirit works. So we have control. The Bible says that, the, the, that prophecy is subject to the spirit of the prophet. That means we have control over our mouths, and we have control over the way we act in church, and we have control over the way that we act in our workplace, and we have control. And the reason we have control is because unity requires order, yes, yes, right? Yes, yes. It doesn't require uniformity, yes. but it does require Order. There's a time and a place. A fire burning in the furnace of a house brings warmth to everything. I love my fire in my fireplace. It's my favorite thing. Philip will build a fire for me in the winter, you know, the two weeks that we call winter here. Um, and I, I love it. 
and it brings warmth to our living room, and it brings joy to me. But a fire on my couch will burn my house down. (laughs) And it's the same thing when we try to take something that God has, and it can be anything, the gifts of the Spirit, anything, anything that God has given us, any gift that God has given us, and we try to operate outside of order and unity, then then we're going to have problems. Love. Love is the second is the second foundation stone of the gifts of the Spirit. And we talked about that, how if you operate in the gifts of the Spirit absent of the fruit of the Spirit, then you're going to have dysfunction and distortion. Mm. Love has to be the overriding factor in exercising the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, so we call these gifts because they are given. So what is given? A manifestation of God. Isn't that beautiful? That's what the scripture says. It says that it's a manifestation of God. And all gifts are given for the common good. And the greater gifts are the ones that do the most for the common good. Yeah, that's right. They're the ones that do the most for the common good. My dad often says that the most important uh, gift of the spirit is the one that's needed at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kenneth Hagin said, don't trade the supernatural for the spectacular. Isn't that good? Because it's not about presentation. It's about the revelation of God in the moment for the common good, not for our own promotion. Okay, so what are the gifts of the Spirit? These are not the only gifts of the Spirit. There's nothing that indicates that, that this is all there is, okay? But these are given to us specifically as examples and also as an additional revelation for what kinds of gifts God gives, okay? So let's go through them. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, and that's all in, um, in uh, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, okay? So word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so what's interesting is that they really are grouped into groups of three if you analyze them, which, of course, we know three is symbolic of our God because our God is three in one, right? And so um, uh, they are, they're, they're separated into, into these three. And one, three are about revealing truth, okay? And then there's three about power and demonstration, meeting the needs of a falling world. And then three are about inspiration and encouragement. And what's interesting is that this correlates perfectly to another scripture in the Bible that says, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Isn't that great? So we haven't been given a spirit of fear. For us to operate in the gifts of the spirit, we cannot live in fear, but rather we have to embrace the gift that he has given us, which is of power. Faith, healing, miracles. That's a demonstration of God's power. Faith, healing, and miracles. Love, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. That's how God shows his love to us in the gifts of the Spirit because it's for edification. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And then a sound mind, wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits. So it's beautiful what God has given us. Let's just talk through these really quickly. Okay. All right. Sound mind and truth revealed. So let's talk about those three. The first one is wisdom. Wisdom, the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom speaks to the future. Okay? 
So this is when God, the omniscient one, that means all-knowing, right? We know that God is omnipotent. That means all-powerful, right? Omniscient, which means all-knowing and omnipresent, which means everywhere at all times, okay? So the gift of wisdom is when we have a glimpse into the omniscience of God for a specific purpose. So, for example... um, this has happened with with different people who are going on mission trips. They'll be praying before the trip, and they'll have a vision of somebody that they're going to meet on the trip and an encounter that they're going to have, and they'll be giving a solution to that encounter, okay? Um, Maybe it causes them to uh, prepare differently, um, Philip was telling uh, a story about one of uh, Johannes's early mission trips where uh, a bus broke down with their entire team out in just the bush somewhere. I mean, it was just, there was nothing anywhere around. And they needed a belt for the, the bus to go forward. And before the trip, Johannes's wife, Maria, the Holy Spirit had told her, pack your nylon stockings. She's like, to go on a missions trip, this is interesting because you, you don't need those. But okay. So she grabbed her nylon stockings and she put them in her bag. And there they are. They're completely stranded with all of their children, most of who are under five years old, okay, on this bus without air conditioner. They have no way to get back. They're like hours and hours from anywhere, no cell service, and the belt busts. And she walks down and she says, hey, I've read that nylon stockings can be used as a belt. I happened to bring some. And the bus was fixed, and they were able to get to the mission trip. That's an operation of the gift of wisdom. God in his omniscience gave her an intuition, a glimpse into the future that allowed her to prepare differently. Um, prophets in the Old Testament and the New Testament operated in this gift of wisdom. Um, includes dreams, visions, interpretations of dreams. It's a revelation of the portion of the wisdom of God. And then there's the gift of knowledge. And the gift of knowledge speaks to the present. Okay, a lot of times parents operate in the gift of knowledge when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. I know my parents did. You know, like I was, I was sure, like they just, I was like, God, are you just telling on me all the time? (laughs) But it's that thing where you suddenly know your son has weed in his car. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or they're going out and, and they always go out. And suddenly you know what's actually going on. You aren't going to so-and-so's house. You're going to so-and-so's house, aren't you? And you're going to do this. And it leads to repentance. That's what the gift of knowledge will often do, is it will give us knowledge about the present that we had no way of knowing, that we had no way of being aware of. And God reveals it to us in a moment about something that already exists. Now, remember, the, the, the gift of wisdom, it's about the future. It hasn't happened yet. But the gift of knowledge is about right now, what's happening right now, what already exists, but that I just don't know about. Jesus at the well was operating in the gift of knowledge. That's what he was doing, right, with the woman at the well. He said, yeah, you've answered me well. You don't have any husband. You've had five. And, da, 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 da. and it led to massive, what? Repentance and salvation. Yes. And that's one of the beautiful gifts that God gives us. And then the gift of discernment. 
the discernment of spirits. And this is knowing the motivations behind people's actions, seeing the spiritual side of the person. Now, look, this is not the gift of gossip or suspicion. <laughs> and, and can we just be real? People use this as an excuse. I just, I just really have a check in my spirit about this person. You just don't like them. <laughs> come on now. I, I'm telling you, I have wives I have wives who will come and they'll just be like, you know, I just have this thing about my husband. And I'm like, no, you don't. You've been fighting with him. You aren't in unity. You're disobeying what God's told you. You don't have discernment right now. You're operating in something different. And we have to be honest about that. This is what, this is what will tell you if you're operating in the gift of discernment versus the gift of criticism and just, you know, suspicion. Does it produce the fear of God in you? Because when you are truly operating in the gift of discernment and God helps you to see the motivations behind somebody, it will absolutely put you in the fear of God because you have a glimpse into what God really sees in your own heart. But it's important that we have the gift of discernment operating in our church, operating in our life. Pastor Craig operates in the gift of discernment. I'm telling you, don't go in his office telling a story. It's, I'm just telling you. And he does it with great grace and with great humility, but don't do that. He will call you out because he operates in the gift of discernment and it protects us. My mother-in-law operates in the gift of discernment. If Jeannie Dees tells you something's off with somebody, you may as well just write it down in your book because she's right. You know, so there's different people who operate in that gift of discernment, but, but the way you can know if it's the gift of discernment or the gift of suspicion, are they humble? Are they quiet about it? They don't ever say it to somebody else. They only say it to that person or to somebody who's affected. And are they under the fear of God themselves? when they're operating in it. Okay, so that's, that's the sound mind. That's the, the revelation of wisdom and truth. And then we have the power gifts, okay? Faith. This is the gift of faith. Now, this is different from natural faith. You know we operate in natural faith? Anybody ever plant a seed, an actual seed? You're operating in faith because you're putting that seed in the ground and you're trusting that there is something that will make it grow. Um, you know, there's just certain things that we do that just are natural faith. Um, then there's saving faith, the faith that leads to salvation. Without faith, you can't be saved. And God gives us the gift, so we're able to, we're able to be saved, right? But then there's the gift of faith. Does that make sense? Okay, great. Um, and this is God bringing supernatural change to a situation without human effort, okay? Supernatural change to a situation. Let me just give you some examples. Elijah, the ravens coming and feeding him at the brook. He didn't do anything. He didn't take any action. He didn't use any tool. He didn't throw like rocks up in the air and they became ravens and came and fed him. It just was a gift of faith. Um, Then Moses Moses just dropping his staff, okay, and it turns into a snake. He didn't do anything. He just dropped what was in his hands, and it turned into a snake. Daniel being saved in the lion's den. He didn't do anything to close the mouth of a lion. An angel came and closed the mouth of a lion. Um, 
This also is where you see the stories of miraculous provision. My dad operates in the gift of faith. It's crazy. Um, I don't understand it because I don't think that's one of the giftings God's given me. But he operates in the gifts of faith. It's amazing how he will have a need, a, a financial need or a material need, and God will provide, boom, every time. Every time. I mean, crazy stories. You know, um, many of you have heard me tell the story of the first time we were having summer camps, um, winter circle summer camps. This is 30 years ago, so it was a really long time ago. But, um, wow, I'm old. But anyway, that's an aside. We were having winter circle summer camps, and we had over 500 kids coming that next week. And then we had 500 kids coming the next week and the next week and the next week. And um, it was the Friday before the Monday, and uh, Rick Berlin, my dad's best friend, walked into him and said, hey, um, I need a check to be able to go get the food for the camp. And my dad laughed and said, there's no money. And Rick laughed and said, well, then I guess we're going to have to pray. And they began to pray, and they prayed, and they prayed for a couple hours, and they got a call from an 18-wheeler that had turned over on the interstate right outside of Shreveport that was full of frozen kids' food. Really? It's that gift of faith. Um, I was up in Pittsburgh, and was speaking to a missionary, and I asked him, what caught your heart on the mission field? And he said, well, it was an early miracle that I saw. He said, we were out just in the absolute bush, and we didn't have any of our provisions, and we were eating, you know, like a bowl of rice every day because that's all we had. And so we had a plane that brought us provisions like they were supposed to, and, and they brought us three big things of, of gas that we were able to put into the car, and we were able to drive and go do our missions trips, and we were so happy. And so we called the missionaries the next day after the Jeeps had left the compound to go out and to... Um, and to minister to these different people groups. And we thanked them for the gas they had sent, and it went quiet over the wire. And they said, we didn't send gas, we sent palm oil. He said, no, you sent gas, because we just fired up these Jeeps, and we sent them out. It's gas. And when the Jeeps came back, they took the gas can, the gas tank, off of these Jeeps. And I'm talking to this man, and he was there. He was standing there. At 21 years old, taking these gas tanks off of these Jeeps, and he said inside was gasoline. That's a modern-day water-to-wine scenario. They didn't ask for it. Somebody had the gift of faith. Um, Miracles. Remember, all these things were happening in the New Testament. He was describing. He wasn't making stuff up. He was just saying what was happening. Miracles, the gift of miracles, person doing a supernatural act by the power of the Holy Spirit. God entrusting us with strength and energy we don't normally have. That would be like Samson when he picked up a jawbone and he killed, you know, however many Philistines, a thousand Philistines, five thousand Philistines, however many it was, okay? Um, That's that's a miracle. And uh, when Elijah struck the waters with his uh, robe, to open them. That would be an example of a miracle. When David killed a bear and a lion with his bare hands, okay? When Jesus multiplied fish and bread. Those are miracles. A person is involved, though. Do you see the difference? Okay, great. Healing, gift of healing. 
And this is what's really interesting is the gifts of healing are many, according to the Bible. Um, and there's a reason. And this was, this was interesting to me, but I thought, it was, I thought it was worth bringing to your attention. Um, Jesus is the only person in history who possessed consistent, perfect gifts of healing in his ministry. He never failed to heal. That's what the Bible says, is that he never failed to heal. Never again in the Bible do we see that. We know that the, the Apostle Paul did not heal everyone that he touched because in one of his epistles, he talks about sending back one of his sick co-workers, okay? Now, if he could just have healed him, he would not have sent back his sick co-worker. Peter had to go get Jesus in order to have him heal his mother-in-law. So there's nobody else in history that we know of who has a perfect gift of healing. And that's because it would be destructive to that person. Because if there was a person who possessed the perfect gift of healing, who could heal anyone, the world would look at them and think that they were God, right? Because that was one of the signs that Jesus was God. And so instead, there are many different gifts of healing. And so it's so important that if God chooses to flow the gift of healing through us, that we understand we heal no one. Jesus heals everyone, every, everyone, but, but we heal no one. God just simply uses us. So if you're talking about operating in the gift of healing, this, what, this was very helpful to me is that there is kind of an order to, to operating in the gift of healing. Pray for yourself first. Pray for yourself. Have a family member pray for you. Then call the ministers and the elders of the church to pray for you. Have somebody at church pray for you. That's why we have prayer leaders at every church service. And then somebody outside the church. So if we stick within that order, then, then we're allowing God to flow that gift of healing through us as a body. Because remember, the gifts are given to the body. You still with me? Yes. Okay. Love and inspiration. And by the way, the gift of healing is the reason my family's Christian today. So this is important to me. My great-grandmother was healed from brain cancer um, spontaneously at a meeting a long, long time ago. And it changed the trajectory of our family. We went from being bootleggers to Bible thumpers. So <laughs> love the gift of healing. Grateful for it. Love and inspiration. So these are the last three, three sets of gifts. Tongues. This is proclaiming truth in a public sphere in a message from God in a language not understood by the person giving it. Now, look, um, for those of you who just found out this moment that this church speaks in tongues, it's okay, all right? Just take deep breaths. But we do. We believe in speaking in tongues. And the reason we believe it is the same reason that we believe in giving to the poor. And we believe in social justice. And we believe in Jesus. It's because we believe the Bible. And speaking in tongues is all over the Bible. And because we have personally experienced what it is like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to begin speaking in tongues. And that is a, it's a prayer language. It's for the edification of the speaker. That's what the Bible says. It, I cannot tell you how much speaking in tongues will change your life. And Philip's going to talk all about that, so I'm not going to. But that's not the gift of tongues, okay? So he's going to talk about 
the other, but that's not the gift of tongues. This is about speaking in another tongue in a public arena and trusting God to provide the interpretation. Okay? So sometimes this is in a church service. Sometimes it's in a small group. Sometimes it can actually be one-on-one with a person you're praying for. So this has happened um, in a couple different settings. So we had a, a girl at Evangel who was worshiping and began to speak in tongues in a public setting, right, over the microphone while she's worshiping. And there's a kid in the audience who is from Korea, and he is hearing whatever she was saying in Korean. And God is interpreting into his brain what she is saying through Korean. And he thinks in his mind she is worshiping in Korean and has learned a Korean worship song for him. Came up to her later and said, I thank you so much for learning that Korean song for me. And she said, I don't speak Korean. Or another example um, Johannes um, talks about is uh, somebody coming up to the front who doesn't speak the language of the person who's praying for them. And they begin to speak in tongues over them because why not? We don't talk each other's language anyway. And the language they're speaking is that person's. Um, language from their hometown in another country that the person who's praying doesn't even know. That's one example of of the gift of tongues. Um, There's another example that I absolutely love. There was a, a, a soldier actually in Iraq who was in a situation where God gave him a very unique gift of tongues where he suddenly began to speak the language of the person he was interacting with and understanding it. And it didn't last except for that interaction. Yeah. And God was able to do a mighty thing in that moment. There's the gift of tongues. It can also be in a church service where somebody speaks a message in tongues, but there is an interpretation. And that's the next gift. Um, the interpretation. This is the ability to interpret a message of tongues without knowledge of the language. It's a message of exhortation and encouragement from God. So the Bible says that first, that if you're going to speak um, out a message in tongues in church, that you should pray that God gives you the ability to interpret first. But um, there is the gift of being able to interpret a message in tongues, to be able to, to say that message out. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes that happens in church. Sometimes it happens in small groups. Sometimes it happens in a prayer circle. I've seen it happen in so many different places. Sometimes it happens just when you get a prayer meeting together. But God will do that, and it's a beautiful thing. And it's part of the way that God loves on his church and the way he loves on us as individuals. And then there's the gift of prophecy. And these are words of edification, exhortation, and comfort from God. So there's three ways that prophecy is supposed to operate in the church. Edify, to build up, to exhort, so to encourage, right? And then to comfort. And so when we talk about that, um, we prophesy in church every single Sunday. So we stand up and we say from the Spirit of God, you don't have to quit. You can keep going on. And you guys can feel the difference, right? Because it's different than somebody just standing in front of you going, hey, you don't have to quit, and you don't have to give up. There is something that rises up, and we make room in our service to make sure that we give people an opportunity to prophesy. 
because we know that we need it. It's words of comfort. Have you ever been in a service where all of a sudden the pastor or who, the leader or whoever will, will, or maybe it's in a prayer line, they'll suddenly speak a word of comfort that heals something on the inside of you? You know, it's, it, it does something to you. It comforts you in a new way. That is the gift of prophecy. And this is what's so great is that we should all seek to prophesy more. That's what the Bible says, is that we should all seek to prophesy more. Why? Because it does the common good the most good. And so that's why it tells us that. Now, look, don't get caught up in the definitions. These aren't boxes. I, I don't know about you, but I'm like a, I'm very analytical and I'm like, so what's the, no, th- that's not what this is about. These are expressions of God's manifestation. When you try to put human words around the divine, it's just going to get a little bit messy. Okay? So don't get up into the whole, well, was I healed by the gift of faith or the gift of healing or the gift of whatever? That's not important. What's important is that the cancer's gone. What's important is that your soul was healed. What's important is that you prepared for the future. That's what's important. And so that's what we do is we focus our eyes on Jesus, understanding that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. We focus our eyes on the Holy Spirit. And then whatever gift of the Spirit he wants to flow through us, we're ready and willing for that, operating what? In unity and in love. In unity and in love. And this is the thing is that everybody has the opportunity to operate in the gifts of the Spirit because they were given to us. And they're there to be operated in in the common good. But it's not just for church. In fact, we go out of our way to make sure that that we know that. Mm. Create room in your daily life with your kids. You know, create room within your, your interaction in business, within your inner. I, I can't tell you how many times the gift of prophecy has helped out somebody that I was just doing business with for a, for a word that I knew it, this, is, this is not from me. This is from God. This is a word of comfort right for them. And I'm being able to speak right to their heart, and they're getting healed in this moment standing next to this copier. Allow the gifts of the Spirit to flow through you because they were meant to change the entire world. And they were meant for the common good. Um, I tell people all the time, if they're serving in church, that we need to be aware of the people who walk in the room. But I don't just mean naturally aware. I mean supernaturally aware, too. We're not weird. We operate in unity and we operate in love. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird, okay? So that's not who we are. But at the same time, when I see somebody, sometimes you're out and you know, some of you who are Christ followers, you know. You see somebody in the for you, go, they're hurting. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you that he wants to flow a gift through you. And I don't know what it is, but you better be faithful to go into the moment and allow him to release that through you into their life, right? Isn't that important? I think it's so important. So this is what we're going to do. Here at North Point Community Church, we believe in creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community through the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like more information, you can visit our website at ncc.team or follow us on any social media platform at ccnorthpoint.